So I'm not like a firm believer in the the 10,000 hours rule because I don't think that all hours are created equal. You know, like there are a lot of guys who when I moved to, to Huntington Beach was when I first moved to California in September of 2016. There were guys there who are still the exact same players they were when I moved here. Despite the fact that they've probably put in close to the same amount of hours, but the hours that I've put in for the most part have been dedicated, focused, like rep, rep, rep based. And, you know, you can get better just going out and scrimmaging every day. You know, you'll get a lot of cool reps that way. But my kind of rep that I love that I noticed, like, this is how I got better at golf. You know, if I wanted to get better at chipping. I wasn't going to go play 18 holes and just hope that every now and then I, I would get better at chipping. Like I would just go to the putting green and chip a thousand balls. What's up and welcome to the Learn B12 Fast Podcast, the podcast that is designed to help you move forward in your beach volleyball career faster. I'm Alex, I'm the host of the show, and in this episode, I'm going to have my first interview with a currently active player, Travis, with this last name that a lot of people make mistakes on, I think it's Mewarder, is a currently active FIVB and AVP tour player, and he's also one of the two co-hosts of the Sandcast podcast, which makes him a really interesting person to interview because he both takes lessons from his own life and own career but also from these hundreds of great volleyball minds that he has gotten to interview on his podcast so i'm really happy to be able to share this nice little chat we had with you guys we talked about all sorts of things about blocking some attacking some vision some passing some just how to learn the sport faster and how to practice it on your own and and whatnot we touched a lot of topics uh, I found it very insightful and interesting to have this chat with him. I hope you find something similar by listening to it. All right, let's get started. So we're rolling, I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, I thought about <clears throat> I thought about today about this episode, and I realized something that was that you're probably the guy in the world that's featured in some way in the most Beach Volvo podcast episodes ever. <laughs> Me, well, I think, uh, so Kevin, Kevin Barnett, he did the net live for like 10 years, but that's kind of indoor, wasn't totally beach. So, I mean, you might be right. Uh, if, but so Barnett, he did the net live for 10 years. Me and Tri Born are coming up on four years this October for Sandcast. So, Plus, like kind of doing random episodes here and there. Um, so yeah, I mean, you might be right. I, I might be the the world leader. I feel like you've been in more episodes than Try because he's been traveling, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I've definitely done more Sandcast than Try, uh, especially because like when he when he's traveling and, and like especially during Olympic qualification period, like the last thing I want to do is bother him and be like, hey, bro, like I know you play Russia tomorrow. It's pretty important, but I'm going to need you to record a podcast with me, you know, and so I'm playing in like little one stars, which are not nearly as important or stressful. And, and so I, I do my best to to take the podcast reins when when he's doing his his thing. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been in a, a couple more than than try has with Sandcast. I think we've done like 210 maybe. And uh, he's probably missed 10 to 15 just because playing in, in big events that I just like want to let him 
focus and do his thing. And then when he plays better, it adds more value to the podcast. So it's kind of a win-win. That's um, true. Yeah, or, yeah. Get a better podcast and get better results. And boom, there it is. Got to let him do his job. <laughs> how many How many other... I heard you on this uh, option podcast, but have you been interviewed in many others? Um, I, I was on the option. Um, I've been on the net live, but the Kevin Barnett and DJ Ruscha, they were the ones who ran it. Uh, they stopped doing the net live uh, like a year and a half ago. Um, and then I was on this podcast called the underdog podcast. And that was after uh, my first book came out. That's not a beach volleyball podcast. It just kind of takes, gets like guys stories who are like, weirdly successful in industries they don't really belong in you know and he was like guys like one-legged amputees from like the navy seals and stuff and he was like you're a guy a writer from maryland and you're succeeding in beach volleyball like you're kind of an underdog it's like i don't know if i belong with these guys but i'll come on your podcast you know so it was fun i've been yeah i've been on a few but there there really just aren't many uh beach volleyball podcasts although coach your brains out is fantastic uh yeah. not totally like beach centric i've been on that twice i think um and billy and john such good dudes and like so great for the game and i, I love those guys and so it's always fun anytime I, i get to chat and converse with them you just come back a better person yeah that's awesome and you know you know them in person they live close to you or yeah yeah, yeah so Uh, John lives probably like half an hour away. Um, Billy lives in uh, Idaho right now. Um, but he, I train with them when they're in town. I try to train with them like once or twice a week, uh, just because John's one of my favorite coaches to work with. Um, and of course, like we're all nerds. So like anytime we have a practice, like we just talk about like, what books are we reading? Like, what are we writing about? And like, what are we podcasting about? It's always, <laughs> it's always a blast talking to those guys. because we're like, we're so like-minded and Billy and John are like the exact same person. Like you'd think they were brothers. If you didn't know any better. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. So, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm stoked for, for this episode. I'm, uh, <laughs> you're a good guest. I wrote here that you, just for the people that don't know, I guess most people will know who you are uh, that are listening to this. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you play the World Tour. You play the AVP a few times. Uh, yeah. And uh, you're the host of Sandcast which is the biggest beach volleyball podcast there is. Uh, yeah. You've wrote some beach volleyball books, which is amazing. <laughs> wrote a lot of articles. Uh, also, uh, you started beach volleyball late. Yeah. Uh, which I also did, which I'm super stoked to, to dig into. And yeah. uh, I also need to listen to that, uh, <laughs> that underdog podcast. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, but when did you start playing? Uh, when I was 24. Okay, so we started playing at the same age then. And how old are you now? Uh, 32, born 89. Okay, okay. So I'm 30 right now, um, so you got me by a little bit. But I actually turned 31 uh, next Sunday. Uh, so 30, 31's right around the corner for me. So you're like, you're only one year older. So Our beach volleyball journeys are about the same timeline. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's cool. laughs> so let, let's dig into that. What was the, what's your background? Did you play golf? Yeah, so my background, I grew up in this like pretty small farm town in northwest Maryland. It's like half an hour northwest of uh, Baltimore. 
Um, and so it's like the town population is like 6,000 people. Um, we have like more livestock and horses and cows than we do like actual human beings. And, uh, it's like, there's not really a whole lot to do except play sports. And my mom and dad were both athletes growing up. Uh, my dad played quarterback in college. My mom played indoor volleyball in college, I think for a year or two before her knees gave out. Um, and so we were just like a sporting family, you know, I have two brothers. And so when we weren't playing organized sports, we were just playing like kind of the made up games that kids do. You know, we had home run derbies in our cul-de-sac and we, we would play like two on two basketball in our driveway. Um, mm -hmm. So I grew up playing everything under the sun. Uh, I played baseball up through um, eighth grade. I played basketball um, up through college, um, played golf. Um, and golf was actually probably my best sport that I played. I didn't play in college, but I played at a pretty high level throughout college uh, when I would go home because I worked at golf courses from eighth grade through my senior year of college. Um, I swam a uh, club in college. I played a little bit of tennis. I mean, ran a lot of cross country and track. It was pretty much everything. Um, and that's a childhood that like I cannot recommend enough. Like I absolutely loved it. And, you know, I think that one of the reasons that one, I, I still love beach volleyball as much as I do. And one of the reasons that I was able to pick it up a little quicker than most people might expect is because I had a background in all various different sports. And so there's no movement that I haven't done. You know, I have the lateral movement from and conditioning from soccer. You know, I have the vertical and, and basic def defense from basketball, baseball, there's your arm swing. You know, everything just leads and beach volleyball is like the most athletic game you can play. You have to do everything. And so just having this background in all these different sports, it helped me pick it up so much faster. And because I picked it up, it picked it up so late, like I'm not even close to getting burned out. You know, I picked up a 24. So it's just like still this brand new thing for me, you know, and like with golf, you know, by the time I was a senior in college, it's like, I don't want to look at one more four foot slider putt, you know, and with basketball, I got burned out at gyms and with beach, it's everything. I'm still like such a novice and everything's so new and fun and novel that it's such a blast. And so I loved, I wouldn't trade it. Like sometimes I feel like I wish I had a little bit more of a foundation either from indoor, but I also like, don't think I'd be where I am if I didn't. So I don't think I'd trade it for the world. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it also gives you like, I feel like you're looking at the whole sport from like different eyes than maybe people that played in their childhood. Like, uh, in different ways probably but but it's like you you come into it and you're like oh this is interesting <laughs> yeah. well some people are already like oh this is boring this is <laughs> this is what it is <laughs> i think one of the cool things about the way that i came into the sport is that because i didn't have any of the training or anything you know i really had to engage every single aspect of the game to become successful at it so I've watched more film than like try and try has been playing his whole life just because I needed to, like I needed to get the mental side, this, this strategy side, like I needed to learn how to do all these things from a strategy and mental perspective before I could do that physically. Cause all the physical stuff takes time, but mentally, you know, there's no limit to how many matches a day you can watch and how much you can study other players and figure out the game, you know? So I just like have nerded out so hard these past six years to figure out like, how do I play this game at the highest level possible? And now the, the physical side is beginning to catch up with the mental, which is it's been an exciting kind of confluence this year. Okay, what do you mean with that? Well, so like mentally, 
I would I would watch tries games, for example, and I, I would see the things that I would I would want to do and I would need to do to perform at a high level. But physically, I just wasn't there yet. You know, my arm swing, I couldn't hit a ball quite that hard because the timing was a little bit off or, you know, I couldn't make these shifty little block moves that he was doing. But I knew that that was an aspect of the game I needed to get to. And now physically, I'm starting to be able to make those moves. and I'm starting to have a, a better feel and understanding of the game because so much of what you have to do on the court, it moves so fast that it has to become instinctual. And now physically, it's getting to that instinctual point just from getting all the reps in where even if I'm blocking line, if I see him swinging angle, I'll just make that move because now I've seen it in my head so many times and I give myself the freedom to make it. So it's it's been fun to see the physical nature of the game start to meet where mentally I know it needs to be to perform at a high level and, and beat the highest level teams. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Does that just come with time for you or, or did you, what's been your strategy in a sense? It's a good question. Uh, I think, so I'm not like a firm believer in the, the 10,000 hours rule because I don't think that all hours are created equal. You know, like there are a lot of guys who when I moved to, to Huntington Beach was when I first moved to California in September of 2016. There were guys there who are still the exact same players they were when I moved here. Despite Absolutely. the fact that they've probably put in close to the same amount of hours. But the hours that I've put in for the most part have been dedicated, focused, like rep, rep, rep based. And, you know, you can get better just going out and scrimmaging every day. You know, you'll get a lot of cool reps that way. But my kind of rep that I love that I noticed, like, this is how I got better at golf. You know, if I wanted to get better at chipping, I wasn't going to go play 18 holes and just hope that every now and then I, I would get better at chipping. Like, I would just go to the putting green and chip a thousand balls. And that's how I am. You know, I, you know, I stunk at passing for the first bit. So I would only do three person practices. We'd have a passer, a server, and a catcher, and we just do that for like two hours. We just serve 20 balls, pass or serve, pass, catch 20 balls, rotate, pass all four huh. corners, and then you do it again. You'd set, and so I, I expedited the process. I think by making the hours so much more valuable, and that's something mm -hmm. that I was listening to. I listened to a lot of podcasts, and uh, a couple of the ones of my favorite ones I've listened to were with Kobe Bryant. And he looked at basketball just like a math problem. So when he was in high school, he wasn't that great as a freshman. He's like, all right, well, if I put in, if I'm shooting a thousand shots a day and I'm doing that six days a week, and this guy who's better than me is shooting 500 shots a day, only three days a week, then it's going to take me X amount of days to catch him. And it's going to take me X amount of days to be twice as good as he is. So Kobe's like, so in three years, basically, if I win the math problem, of putting in more quality reps than he does, then I'm inevitably going to become better. It's just kind of the way sports works. And some guys obviously are a little bit more genetically gifted and whatnot, but it, you control what you control, which is if I put in more reps and more dedication to this skill than that guy, then I should be better at it. And so that's kind of the way I looked at beach volleyball, where if I handset 600 balls while I'm watching a movie, then eventually I'm just going to be one of the best hand setters on the beach. Or if I pass, you know, you can kind of extrapolate it to whatever skill you want to work on and eventually it's going to pay off. So I think that how I expedited the process was just creating the most value out of every hour I could and, and still trying to do that.
Yeah, that, that sounds <laughs> sounds like something I've been trying to do as well, also. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's funny. My, my background is in skateboarding and snowboarding, but especially as a kid, I would spend, you know, hours and hours and hours just alone on the backyard, like like trying the same trick just over and over again, where yeah. you become, you know, you can be very lonely, but you have a fucking blast of the time. And and it's funny because in in beach volleyball I see that people don't have this upbringing. Uh, they they feel like you can't go practice alone. Like that's that's weird. It's right. only, only weirdos do that or whatever. <laughs> or you you can't like it gets boring for people to to do the th- same thing too many times. Uh, but like for me, it's it's been the most natural thing to, to every now and then just be be the lone uh, lonely nerd that goes and <laughs> yeah goes I and try stuff like. That's one of my things is that when I moved to California, everybody was like, oh, beach is weird because you it's different from other sports because you can't train by yourself. I was like, what are you talking about? You can hit a bucket <laughs> ball and you can set to yourself and hit 20 high line shots from the left. Like it's no different than shooting hoops. It's no different than going to the range and, and beating balls for an hour. You know, in a way, like that kind of stuff is meditative for me because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like an introvert to the course. So like I recharge by being by myself. And that is like, that's why I love swimming. Cause swimming, like people literally cannot talk to you. Like you're underwater, like <laughs> they can't talk to you down there. And so like, that's what some of my favorite practices are when I just go out by myself with a cart of balls at sunset and I just like hit high line shots and then hit cut shots and you can, and hit jump surfs and all these things you can do by yourself. And just like, it pays off fast. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I like, uh, I like the music in my ears. Uh... Yep. Throw uh, throw a ball into the floor and then set hands it into a basketball hoop. Uh, that's that's, <laughs> that's a meditation for that's me. A great one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To, uh, so when I was a member at Twenty Four Fitness uh, in LA, which I stopped being because uh, my wife and I we built a gym uh, like right out in our yard over there. Um, but when I was a member there, I would do like a half an hour warm up where I would serve a ball from the three point line, hit the backboard, and then have to pass it into the hoop. And it was awesome. I would do that for like half an hour and it was so great. And I probably passed like thousands of balls just warming up to go lift that way. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, because it also makes lifting more fun because you, you get to, you know, do some reaction to the ball and whatnot. Right. Like it just gets your brain firing, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what goes on in your head when you, if you do 100 passes in a row is is there something some sort of mental um process that goes on in your head like are you thinking about things are is it different from practice session to to another does that make sense yeah yeah so um every every practice will be a little bit different what the focus is um i'm a big fan of uh gina urango and jeremy casebeer they kind of espouse this idea that you should never go into practice with more than three things to work on. Uh, Cause beyond that, now you're just getting a little bit too scattered and you're not really going to make any big strides in any category. So if you have three focuses, every practice, you can really hone in and improve each of those and focus on each of those. So uh, with passing in particular, one of my biggest focuses, and I remember working on this specifically before AVP Austin of 2018, um, because the tournament before that, uh, I had shanked a couple passes in the final round of the Huntington qualifier in the third set. And I was like, I can't let that happen. So Austin was two weeks later. 
And my big thing, actually, this is a John Mayer um, kind of principle, is to freeze your platform on your pass. And so yeah. every single passing rep that I did, I just made sure to hold it for like two seconds after I passed and just freeze it wherever it was. And so that was my focus then. And sometimes it's making sure, say, if someone, I'm a right sider, so if someone's serving at my right to get my hips around instead of just lazy, like kind of being lazy and waving my arms at it. So it really just depends on what the particular problem I'm trying to solve at the time is. Mm -hmm. um, but it'll really just be one thought that I'm working on, either getting my feet to the ball, getting my hips around, freezing the platform, um, you know, backpedaling on deep serves and making sure that I'm getting my butt behind the ball. So it's just one major focus um, for that skill for the day. And anything beyond that, you know, it's, it's just too much. You're going to short circuit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I completely agree. If you try to, uh, if you try to make too many things happen, or you have a coach that tells you a million things at the same time, it just, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's crazy. I, man, I was, I remember, I was trying to just like work on my basic approach, and he was just like, "All right, you gotta start with this foot, but then remember to be facing this direction, and then your arm back, you're cocking up, and you're doing this." And I was like, "What do I have to do?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's too many things. I'm I'm a simpleton. Just give me one thing at a time. <laughs> yeah, one thing at a time. And and then you can sort of piece them together after a while and start putting them together. But yeah, you really need yeah. to take it. So I guess you had a lot of things for free since since you had this athletic background. Like you said, you had things from moving and whatnot. Uh, but what was what do you feel has been your biggest problem in learning beach volleyball or getting to where you're now from when you started? Good question. Um, the biggest problem would be probably kind of the, the finer skills of the game. Um, so judgment decisions, knowing when to hit a cut shot versus knowing when to swing. Um, or really like my arm swing was awful when I first started, it was like really hitchy stiff. I mean, when I started playing, you know, I, I weighed like 225 pounds and I was like, um, like almost like a bodybuilder physique, which is totally dysfunctional for what you're trying to do with beach volleyball. So I had to kind of like reshape my body and now I'm like 195 pounds and much leaner, um, and more built to last for six matches in a day on the sand if I need to. Um, so I think it was just like fine tuning all of the other skills that I had from the sports and kind of carving it into what a beach volleyball player should be doing. And that's like decision-making that needs to become almost subconscious. Like you need to be able to feel the blocker in your line, not only feel that he's in your line, but how much of your line is he giving? Like, can you chop one under him? Do you want to go over him? Do you want to tool him? Do you want to do a baby line, deep line? And all these decisions need to be like in a snap or you're not going to side out. So I think it's mm -hmm. just the hardest part was just getting the amount of reps where these decisions are almost on autopilot by the time I'm playing. And that's still something that I'm working on because the higher level you go, the faster the game is and the faster the game is like the faster your brain needs to work. And mm -hmm. if you're thinking while you're playing, you're too slow. You know, yeah. if you're in the air, you're like, I think Taylor is in the angle. I'm going to hit a cut. Oh, Taylor's there. 
you know, and you just you just need to be able to run. Your brain's got to go on autopilot by the time you're playing. And that, I think, is a problem that can only be solved by getting the amount of repetitions um, and not just repetitions in practice, but competing because yeah. um, there's no way there's no way to stimulate 13, 12 in the third set and you're receiving. And, and if you don't side out now, you have now you're down two match points. That can only be something that you can simulate, like just the nerves, the adrenaline, the pressure, like the mental fraying that is going on in your brain. That's only something you can you can really simulate and work on by competing. Um, and so it's just like you work on it and practice throughout the week and play every tournament you can until your brain starts to figure these down things out on on its own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a, I mean, because I agree with what you said before about doing the reps in, you know, in drills and whatnot. But I think some people misunderstand me and think that that's all I think you should do. But you definitely need the, the game reps also for, for the decisions and, and all of that. And like you need a lot of just how to deal with yourself mentally in the games and, and strategies and different players that you can play against and whatnot. Yeah. Absolutely. So like, I don't, to answer your question, I don't think it was like a skill necessarily that was the hardest thing to come around. I think it was just like the mental framework of playing beach volleyball in competition and having these decisions just come to you without really thinking about it. Okay. So, so the, actually the decision part, not, not the mental, I mean, golf is a very mental sport. You haven't, haven't had like pressure problems or yeah, so I mean, golf. I honestly think that the sport that prepared me best for beach volleyball was golf, um, because <laughs> you, you know when you're playing around the golf, you're 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 golfing for four hours, but you're only playing golf for like four minutes. You know, every other all the other time is spent walking, looking at your shot, thinking about your shot, thinking about the bunker, thinking about the lake, thinking about the trees, thinking about the putt that's going to be a six foot downhill slider that if you miss, now you get an eight footer coming back uphill. And so golf trains your brain more than any other sport. So coming out to the beach and, and that has helped me pick up the mental side so much. So I am so grateful for my dad getting me into golf. <laughs> it's been clutch. Yeah, I haven't played golf myself, but I played uh, disc golf. And uh, there was a summer, I think two or three summers ago when I played way more I played way too much disc golf for feeling like I was a beach volleyball player that was taking the yeah. sport seriously. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, basically what I realized after a while was was that I had every single shot you take is, is like a serve after a timeout, which is, you know, when people miss because they have right. time to think about things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just realized after that summer, like, hmm, this is interesting. This is now easier. <laughs> yeah. Just to get that reset. Yeah, it's a perfect it's it's such a subtle skill like how to not because you have to be you have to think a little bit but you can't think too much you can't get lazy you can't get stressed i don't know it's yeah <laughs> it's like trying to balance, balance an egg on on its you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's crazy yeah exactly do you feel like you see uh, because you, you said about the decisions in in attacking. Do you feel like you see the court when you like in your peripheral vision? Yeah, my thing. Uh, so the offensive player generally sees the defense uh, either by taking a big look at the defender or by feeling the blocker. So when I'm playing right side, uh, which is my normal strong side. So I come in because I'm lefty. So I'm a little bit angled so I can feel the blocker 
on my side. So I don't really don't bother looking at the defender a whole lot. Because if I can feel the blocker a little bit, my angle, then I know that like a quick line chop is going to be open. So I look more where the blocker is than the defender because especially like blockers are bigger. They're easier to see um, and way easier to feel. And so if I can feel the blocker making an early move, then it makes my job as an offender really easy because then I either just hit where the blocker is and just go over him. Or I know that if he's in my line, then the, the defender's in the angle. And if, if the defender isn't picking up my swings very well, then I'm going to attack him instead. Yeah. Um, so that's where my vision mostly comes from. On the left side, I take more of a straight-in approach. So I don't have that peripheral feel of the blocker. So then my decision-making is based more on where the defender is. Interesting. You so yeah. it differently depending on which side you're on. Yeah. And so my vision on the left is horrific because I'm terrible at taking like a look and then finding the ball again. And uh-huh. so I really swing angle every time I'm on the left. <laughs> <laughs> so if I'm over there. That's what I'm doing, guys. This is the kind of stuff you should tell everyone. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah, because when you said like taking the decisions and knowing when, when to do what, I, I realized like, when I do those things well, I feel like it happens so quickly that I, I don't have time to think about it. Like, it's just somehow I know it, it's. Um, sometimes I talk about, you know, if you, if you have a glass on your on your uh, kitchen, uh, not table, whatever, you happen to, to hit it and it goes towards the floor and your, your body just somehow by itself grabs it, you know, before it it's the floor like it's it's almost like it's that part of the brain that's working also in attacking it's it's just like oh here's some space and and then the hand just goes there and you have no idea it doesn't really feel like it was you doing it yeah (laughs) yeah and that's like one of the coolest feelings is getting in a flow state like that where things are just like you're doing stuff that you're not even thinking about and it's working and your brain is just like on shut off and on autopilot and it is awesome when that happens it is it is is. especially when when you and your partner like there's a sync like you you both do things together and it works like that it's it's, yeah it's 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 so cool what you live for yeah (laughs) that's that's cool uh but yeah i feel like because i i don't get into that when i'm in positions where i don't see the court with my peripheral vision I, i think i'm the same as you i see the blocker with my peripheral Mm-hmm. Uh, but whenever shit's fucked up and behind me and whatnot, then then I lose that. Yeah, yeah. When in doubt, I mean, just go with whatever your best swing is. Um, so if 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 like you can't see anything, high deep angle will will generally work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Makes complete sense. Uh, all right, so. This is a question that I, I'm super stoked for, because uh, you're you're a special, your brain is a special brain because you had so many guests on the podcast, yeah, and uh, and you know I've listened to I think I've listened to. There was a time when I listened to every single episode. Then uh, <laughs> whatever happened, uh, I got busy and I haven't listened to everyone, but maybe seventy percent of the episodes. Uh, I appreciate. It. <laughs> but you also have, you know, you also have conversations with people before and after. Uh, so, 
I mean, you talked to so many, so many people. So I was like, what are the the best things that you learned from the guests? Like, you know, can, can I do a Google search in your brain, like for the best fucking hacks that? <laughs> That's a good question. So the number one, absolute number one commonality across every single guest we've ever had uh, is to compete as much as you can. Um, I mean, that goes from Rafu to April to Phil to Piotr to Try, Trevor, Nicolette Martin, like every single person we've ever had on the podcast. And we're like, if you had to give one piece of advice, every single person says compete as much as you can. But also, you got to find a way to have fun doing it. Because um, I think when when you look at the people who have had the longest careers in this sport and the most successful. I mean, they have absolutely loved, loved this game. I mean, you look at the way Alisson approaches beach volleyball and you can tell he has like this reverence for beach volleyball. Like he just, it's beyond love. It's like he cherishes the sport. And when you look at the people who have success, and that's why I like to look at Kelly Clays, Sarah Sponsel, Kristen Nuss, Taryn Cloak, like, they are so obsessed with beach volleyball in the healthiest way where their identities aren't wrapped up in it. Like if they lose, they're not like, oh, well, I am just a terrible failure of a person. They're just like, all right, well, we lost. I'm going to go camping this weekend. You know, I, but they just love the sport of beach volleyball. Um, and I think that that's probably number one is finding a way to have fun and enjoy the sport while you're competing and enjoying the journey. Um, that's the biggest thing is just having fun, enjoying the journey. Cause like if you're, if, if you're miserable going to practice five days a week, you're not going to play for very long. You're like, you got to find a way to love doing sprints. You got to find a way to love passing 500 balls, setting balls, being out in the sun all day. You got to find a, a way to love 12 hour plane rides to Paris. You know, it's just like, once you find a way to enjoy the shittiest parts of this game, and then you get to play. It's just this gift from the heavens where you're just like, I just get to play beach volleyball today, you know? And I don't have to put 250 pounds on my back and squat today. I just get to play. And it's amazing. And so every time you play a tournament, it's just this great gift. And you just like gratitude. Gratitude is a big commonality, which intertwines itself with joy and enjoying the process. Like if you are grateful for the fact that you get to go to the beach and you get to do something that people would pay to do on vacation and you get to do it every day and live this healthy, amazing lifestyle outside with your friends. Like that's, that's the ticket right there. And it doesn't matter if you're a double A player or an AVP pro, like that's it. I mean, that's number one. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Do you enjoy competing? Are you competitive? Oh, I love it. I, I love competing. And so I, like I just read Phil Jackson's book. Uh, 11 rings i don't know if you've you've read that or heard of it so he, he is really cool to see his mind because he coached kobe bryant obviously with the lakers and he coached michael jordan with the bulls and so he was able to get like a really intimate look at both of them as they are competitors and he said that they're they're two very different competitors he said michael jordan competed in absolutely everything like if you were driving home it was a race if you were brushing your teeth, it was who could brush their teeth the hardest, you know? And then there was Kobe, who was who was solely focused on just competing in basketball. And after that, he didn't care who won or lost or whatever. Like if you were playing video games, like he didn't care because it didn't have to do with basketball. And I'm more in Kobe's camp where 
like I'm competitive. Like we play board games. Like I want to win. But if I lose, I'm like, all right, whatever. Whereas my brothers, like if I play them in putt putt and I beat them, you know, they're like breaking the putters in half and chucking them in the parking lot. And you know, but if I lose, I'm like, all right, whatever. Let's let's go get a beer. So when I'm playing beach volleyball, like I love competing. Competing is just like such a thrill. Like the adrenaline rush, the chess match of like when to call the right play. I think it's just so fun. And I think it's so fun to be playing in a final with people watching and like chopping it up with the crowd and like all this stuff. I think it's just an absolute blast to compete. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it was always like that or did you have to learn it? Um, yeah, I, I think that I, I've always liked that with golf. So I know that I'm in trouble when I stop having fun competing. Um, and with golf, like I would just get like so nervous before and, and I like wouldn't enjoy it. And so I know that I, I'm like when I don't enjoy competing, I'm on the edges of burnout. And that's when I need to kind of like take a time out and step back and and do some other things for a little bit, like go backpacking for a couple of days and uh, do whatever. But um, when I don't enjoy competing, that's that's kind of a, a red flag for me to take a time out, which is good that I know that now. Um, yeah, but yeah, for the most one. part, yeah, for the most part, like I, I've always loved competing. I just love like the adrenaline. I love the focus that you get. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, you mentioned you ski and snowboard, but that like, it's hard to replicate that focus you get when you're skiing downhill and you're going like a little faster than you probably should. And you're like, if I fall, something could go pretty wrong here. And you get this level of focus that is just like next to none. And you're just like so in tune with the snow and where you're going. Same things with like surfing too. And that's the kind of focus I get from competing. And I think that's such a cool feeling to just be so dialed in and everything in the outside world is just gone and you're just competing and you're in the moment and it's so fun. Hmm. That makes sense. Have you read Stealing Fire or Rise of Superman? No, I have not. No, and I haven't either. I've just <laughs> sort of dabbled in them. But but the guy says that he the theory was something like like that he thinks that extreme sports evolve faster than other sports because because of this focus that you get from having physical danger when you do the yeah. sports, w which puts you in this state. And, and when you're in this state, you basically just have more creativity and, and learn things just faster. So, so he, he, he looked at like how much has snowboarding evolved in, in 30 years versus how much has yeah. something else evolved. And it was like... <laughs> oh, like, I a thousand percent believe that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, uh, sometimes I have th this mind like, what if, what if beach volleyball was let that <clears throat> you actually got physically hurt every time you hit a ball outside of the court? Like, what would that <laughs> be like? Because that, that's kind of skateboarding, you know. <laughs> you miss your part. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd have a lot of people shooting line shots. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, what would you say? So for someone... Do you know that... By the way, I need to say something. Uh, there, yeah. There's been two times... Um, I've been interacting with the Sandcast. Once was, um, you probably don't know who it was. Uh, I sent a question to Phil about blocking 
like this because <laughs> I just had this weird yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah. That, that I remember that. Co cover more more with. <laughs> we, we were cracked. <laughs> <laughs> probably a stupid idea <laughs> uh, and then obviously i'm starting this this podcast because i just like talking about like how to learn things and, and skills right. and whatnot uh, yeah. but what episodes if if someone likes my podcast but wants to go listen to soundcast but what like wants the episodes that are most like where you just where you guys just talk about a lot of technical things and and what like is you know, some of the episodes are stories. Some of them right. are more. You know, yeah. Which ones should someone go and listen to? Oh, read pretty. <laughs> uh, no question. Read pretty is like answer one, two, three, four, five. I mean, that guy. He. If you want to talk about a guy who has just mastered the art of learning, it is read pretty. I mean, he is incredible, and he was so cool and so open with us about just like how he was going about changing from an indoor player to a beach player. I mean. He was on it. So I think Read Pretty, that's number one for sure. I mean, really technical, really logic, data-driven. Um, he's, he's the one. Uh, as far as the others, um, Misty May was actually pretty good uh, for that. Um, those two are the ones that jump off the bat right away as the kind of more technically driven podcast but read is like far and away number one if if that's kind of the, the content you're looking for interesting i think i missed both of those episodes <laughs> read really enjoy reads uh reads is great and misty is like so cool like one of the coolest people i've ever met in my life she's awesome uh-huh awesome i'll take a listen and uh, add those episodes to the show notes or whatever. Uh, one that I remember was um, back then I had no idea who he was, but it was this random guy that had played with Read Pretty, which is uh, what's his name? Pink Hat, not Karch, but the new Karch. Troy, Troy Field. Troy, exactly. Was it Troy that had played with with Reed and he came onto your podcast afterwards and said yeah. what he had learned from Reed or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So Troy. Guy has been on twice. Uh, the first time he was on is the one you're you're referencing. Troy played, I think, three Norsecas with Reed. I think they won two silvers and a bronze. Um, and yeah, yeah. So Troy talks a lot about his experiences with Reed on that podcast, which was that was quite a bit ago uh, that we had that one. That was it was three. It was yeah, yeah. I I was, but I, I have a specific memory that it was very insightful. I was uh, yeah. driving my scooter in Thailand. And Listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I think when you guys talked with um, Mark Burek, you talked a lot about blocking, also, right? Yeah. Well, Burek doesn't block, um, so I don't know how much blocking we talked. We talked about kind of the importance of adventuring with Burek. Burek's very technical because he's a coach and he has a great business, uh, Better at Beach, which is designed specifically for people looking to get better at beach volleyball. Um, and if, if your listeners have never heard of it, they should definitely check out uh, his YouTube channel um, and website. It's just straight up called Better at Beach. Um, and that's a great resource. So I don't know if we talk about a ton of technical stuff in that episode, um, but Burek has a wealth of resources. Huh? It was Troy talking about blocking in that one. Sure. 
Uh, yeah, Tribe talks a lot about blocking throughout because, I mean, to listen to him talk about blocking in his hands and, and his feet, it's it's like taking blocking, like a blocking master's class. It's it's unreal picking that guy's yeah. brain. Yeah. Yeah, I also saw he had started a YouTube channel uh, with yeah. at least one one blocking tutorial, which was pretty cool. Yeah, he's, it's doing pretty well, too. I mean, he's only put up like four videos and he's got like 1,500 subscribers. So he's a popular guy these days. The Olympics yeah. will, do, will do that to you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so happy he got this. Uh, well, both the Olympics and now this weekend, uh, yeah. uh, the Manhattan. Huge. I'm stoked for him. I love that guy so dang much. Like, it's so cool to see after, like, all the, I mean, not even ups and downs, straight up downs he's had for two years in a row. And then, boom. I mean, it's about you need mountains to, as goals but the, the valleys will they'll mature you and, and try like he grew up fast and bam olympics manhattan he's just like and he has this like beautiful family like the cutest two-year-old daughter like i'm so happy for him mm-hmm. yeah was it one of the first episodes you guys made made of like what had happened to him and and his recovery and yeah that, wasn't our, able to play yeah, still our, and whatnot our very first episode uh, I think was Halloween of uh, 2017 um, was just with try and him like totally checking out with his autoimmune disease and like where he was at. Um, and now to see like the growth from then to now, it, I mean, it's night and day. It's crazy. Uh, it is. That's a fucking yeah. journey. Yeah. <laughs> that is a journey. <clears throat> what would you say is your specialty in beach volleyball? What are you? What are you best at? What do you enjoy teaching? What do you? What do you think people teach wrong? <laughs> uh, I love. Uh, you know, I'm not really one to say like what people teach wrong because I think everyone learns so different. You know, mm-hmm. and like my wife and I, who's a phenomenal beach player, like we couldn't learn any different. So like when she tries to tell me something. I like it totally misses me. And when I try to tell her something, it like totally whiffs on, on her part. And it's not because like, she's a bad coach. She's a great coach. She's a full-time assistant at Pepperdine. Um, so I don't think anybody necessarily teaches things the wrong way. I think that everyone's just a different learner. So you just need to find the person who connects with you the right way. I mean, the, the skill that I take the most pride in is hand setting. It's literally the first thing I learned how to do, which people find surprising because it's, I it's supposed to be a difficult skill, but when you play golf, when you play baseball, when you play basketball and all these hand sports, like you learn how to get pretty good hands. Uh, and so <clears throat> hand setting is also the easiest skill to practice by yourself. Like I'll literally just toss the ball up with a bunch of spin and hand set in my house thousands of times a day, annoy Delaney to no end doing it. Cause it's just like this fidget that I do now. I just set balls. Um, so I think hand setting, I mean, it's, there's no excuse for someone not to be a good hand setter because you can do it by yourself. And now like the refs don't call anything anymore. So you might as well just hand set. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that's, that's my number one. That's my special skill is just, I just, I have this hashtag on Instagram where I, it's just me just like running around and flailing, getting, doing anything I can not to bump set. So I just never yeah. bump set. My yeah. goal in life is never bump set, put the hands on everything. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen some of those clips. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I love, uh, you know, because I'm I'm the same. I also love hand setting, but you know, all the uh, Phil Dahlhauser type of falling handsets and like just yeah. put your hands on everything. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's everything. just more accurate. <laughs> Platform for passing. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How do you, uh, so how do you and your wife teach differently? Or is there like two different learning styles, explanation styles, different analogies, yeah, so, different? Um, she's like really logic driven. And I'm more feel like I just learn by doing and just trial and error. And mm -hmm. she like, she sees the value in it, but she's like, well, why don't I just explain it in a way that takes out the error? And so, but I just like, I'm just, I learned by moving and doing and figuring it out on my own. Um, and she'll like, she follows directions, you know, and she stays inside the box and I'm just like, well, I'll just color wherever I want and see how, you know, how the picture turns out. Um, and if it turns out bad, then I'll just draw a new one, you know? And um, so I think she's probably a more efficient learner. Um, whereas I'm more of just like, I'm just going to figure this out on my own. Like no one ever taught me any skill in beach volleyball. I just kind of like watched video and tried it and then watched video and compared it and then tried it a different way. And you just, I just kind of figured it out. So I'm more trial and error. She's like, she takes directions really well. Whereas I'm awful at following directions. And I'm just like your standard stubborn, hard headed guy. It's like, no, 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 I'll do it my way. And then eventually I probably doing exactly the way that Delaney would want it to be done. It just took me, you know, 46 trials and errors to figure it out. And she just followed directions. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, but you yeah. just want to be in the trenches and try things out until. Yeah. I'm a doer. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So obviously I'm, I love having this podcast because I get to ask people uh, what I wonder about. <laughs> uh, you there was one episode where you talked about you having some uh, blocking coach that had taught you a lot in, in blocking. Yeah. And obviously I'm going to, the selfish part of me is going to go and ask like, what does he yeah. teach? Uh, also, I want to be very respectful. Like some people don't want to talk about everything that they teach. Some people uh, want to. I'm, I'm, I'm an open book with that stuff. Um, yeah. So Evie Matthews is probably the best coach I've ever had with beach. Um, and so when I say that, like, you know, no one ever really like taught me how like the finer skills, like, the, like I learned all the basics just kind of through trial and error, but then to get to a higher level, like with blocking, you know, and, and just like, so Evie taught me like handshake, but, like no one really thinks like, if you're just a casual beach volleyball fan, you're like, oh, well, a blocker just like goes up and tries to be big, mm -hmm. but there's so many things like you got to learn, like when you're blocking angle that you can't, I'm trying to stay in the screen here. Like you can't shape your hand like this or it's just going to bounce off your hand and go out. Like you need to shape it more like that. So when it hits your hands, it goes into the court. And so just little things like that and how to run, like how to run like a fake, like you step into the angle and then you're jumping back line and you're holding, you're getting your hands and shaping them right. So you're blocking inside the court and how to jump into the line and block angle and how to do a late pull. And so it's just all, Evie just kind of like, we'll wrap it out for like an hour, two hours. Um, and just do all these different types of blocks and all these different types of things. Because I'm I'm six four, which in beach volleyball world is pretty small for a blocker. Um, mm -hmm. And so I need to learn like how to be sneaky and how to make these really late low moves and kind of trap the guy into hitting where I want. Or like I'm my finest skill as a blocker is making a, a guy think that the bounce swing is open. Um, I clean house when guys try to swing sharp angle or sharp line. Because that's the, really the only thing that I can block. You know, if you're a six seven guy and I'm blocking you, that's your fault. It's not something I'm doing. Like you're just swinging too low. Um, 
So I bait guys into those swings, um, which is yeah. people think the dumb swing on their part is like sharp down. Right. Yeah. So you basically, it's just the art of of making a swing look wide open, and then at the last second taking it away. Um, and so that's the biggest thing I've been working on this year is basically how to use my undersize as an advantage rather than just like complaining and being like, oh, I'm too short to be a blocker. Let's go play defense and be terrible at it. Instead of just using it as an advantage and just being sneaky and baiting guys to do things that I want. That's an interesting perspective. So, so, so very, so, cause I was going to ask when you bait someone, do, do you take the steps, you know, and then jump straight up or, or do you sort of lean over? But this almost sounds like you're doing an, almost like an extreme lean over, like, and you don't really care about getting high at all. Is that? Yeah. For the most part, you know, this is something, a benefit of me having the podcast is that, you know, I get to learn from a lot of the best to play the game. And, and so Phil Dahlhauser, for example, he on his episode he was like it's pretty rare that guys are swinging a foot above the tape you know you look at even alison he hits the tape ricardo hits the tape oleg soynowski hits tape and so if you think about it you don't have to be that tall to steal a swing like if this is the tape all you need is this you don't need to yeah. be way up like elbow net it's helpful but so yeah like i'm not really worried about getting super high off the block i'm worried about more pressing over the net and getting into the angle I need and closing it off. So when he makes the mistake of bringing the swing down, that's my point. But if he, you know, if he swings high angle, does a great job 21 times in a row, then like good for him. But at the end of the day, no one does that. Everyone makes a mistake at some point. And so it's your job to capitalize when they do make the mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Do you think a lot about blocking timing? Like when you jump compared to the hitter? time all the time um i'm always habitually i'm late i'm chronically late as a blocker which is something that i kind of need to fix because because i'm trying to bait them into a swing so much that i wait so 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 long and go at the last second um that a lot of times i will still be going up when the ball hits me and so figuring out the other hitters timing is also a huge part of blocking and you need to figure out when you go because you can't go too early so they see you, but you can't go too late so they're just tooling you the whole time. So everyone has a di like their arm swings different. Do they swing on the way up? Do they swing on the way down? And so that's kind of the mental calculus you're doing as a blocker. You're just figuring out the proper way to time your block. And I think that the most common mistake I make is being too late, which I would rather be too late than too early because if you're too early, then you're selling yourself up, but you're also selling out your defender. Whereas mm -hmm. if you're too late, maybe he'll hit a shot at your defender thinking that you are somewhere else. Um, and so, the, I mean, the worst that happens when you're, you're too late is that they tool you, um, which I think that isn't okay. I think that of all the mistakes to make as a blocker, I think that being late is the best of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes if you're a little late, you can still get the, the soft touch and then it kind of springs up and the defender can take the ball. Exactly. And you have to do something smart after that. Uh, it's because uh, personally, uh, I block. I had to block a lot earlier because I'm shorter than you. I'm six two. I had a decent vertical, so you know, often I still end up blocking if I play with someone yeah. shorter, even if I don't really want to. Uh, but one thing I realized is is really like understanding the. I think this is a good idea to understand the 
tendency of, of a hitter? Are they someone that tends to hit early after they jump, or is it someone that tends to hit late, you know, on their yeah. way down? And, yeah. and combine that with how far off the net they are, and, and that calculation combined with when you should jump, like compared to when they jumped, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it makes perfect. Because once I started thinking like that, like I really started noticing how far off the net they are. I just started timing better my locks. Yeah, because uh, that's a huge element of it. I think before I was just like blindly jumping roughly at the same <laughs> time as they jump, <laughs> no matter how often, how far off the happens, net they were. That happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, cool. Is there anything? Uh, uh, has anyone ever interviewed you on Sandcast? Or are uh, you always? Uh, when I came out with the book, um, we kind of talked about my story a little bit. So the book, uh, We Were Kings, that came out, I want to say, 2018. Um, and so Try kind of led that interview. Um, but for the most part, I, I love my role as being the interviewer. Um, I love like talking to people about their story. And then um, I always do a write up after. And I love picking their brains and just like hearing their journeys and like kind of what led them here and, and what problem are they trying to solve and how are they solving it? You know, I, I think that that stuff's fascinating. So like, me being the interviewed, I love that role. I, I just think it's it's so fun and it's been such a blessing for me and in, in my career to hear all these stories from all the greatest people. Like, you know, this podcast has put me in the same room as the greatest people in the world at their craft. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. what better blessing can you ask for than just to be in, in the same airspace as that and and to to learn their habits, their strategies, their disciplines. You know, it's it's been it's been an incredible ride and way more than me and try could have ever bargained for, you know, we kind of winged it when we started the podcast. He's like, Hey man, like I'm sick. I'm really good at beach volleyball. <laughs> You're a journalist and you love beach volleyball. I think we'd be a good team. And then it's just turned into like such a magnificent ride so far. And it's, it's just been such a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so then my, my question is probably, you probably don't have this, uh, is is there anything that you always wanted to like say to people, but you haven't really gotten a chance? I, I guess you write your articles, so maybe you get to express your your thoughts that way. Yeah, the writing is is like my kind of like therapeutic outlet. You know, my editor he always asks me to write. You know, whenever I go travel in the FIVB or whatever, he, he's always like, you know, you should keep writing because people love reading this stuff. Because when I write, like, I'm I'm pretty brutally honest. You know, whatever it is I'm going through at the time, like you're going to feel it with me, you know? And I remember I wrote the story um, after Adam and I lost in the final round of the qualifier in Bulgaria. And this was at the end of like a five week, five week trip in Europe where we had been like Bulgaria to Russia. And then we spent three more weeks in Bulgaria. And, um, you know, I just wrote about like my lead of the story was just like me sitting in this sauna. And I was just like, just straight up like crying. I wasn't like sobbing. I was like, just like beat. I was just like kind of broken down and I was like, man, this like is a shitty way to end like a cool trip. And like I missed home, missed my wife. I missed like, you know, this apartment, missed being able to make my own food. And like, you know, I, I was very grateful for the trip and everything. But you do like you hit this mental wall and you're just like, I just got to get home. And, when, and like I wrote the story, you know, kind of detailing it like that. And the feedback that I got from a lot of the players was like, 
this it's so cool that like you're opening up like that because like we're all feeling the same thing and we all feel guilty you know anytime we complain about being tired or overwhelmed or burned out because like we live like these incredibly blessed lives like we get to travel the world and it's our job we get to play this game and meet all these amazing people and do all these incredible things um so like to acknowledge that it's it's a difficult thing to do feels strange you know because like there are way more difficult jobs but there are parts of it that you're just like damn it like should i just take a nine to five and know what every day looks like you know <laughs> and um like we as a collective beach volleyball player unit we are so grateful for our jobs but it is uh therapeutic to write about the difficulties that come up with it and how we navigate it and um you know that's like i think my favorite part about writing and expressing all that is that the feedback from the players is always so genuine and they're like it's so cool to know that there's someone else that feels like this you know i'm feeling the same way and it's cool for me too like you know i remember came me and uh, adam we beat came shock and theo bruner in um the country quota in sochi and you know there's me and Kay are pretty good friends, but you know, it always like, it's it's never a good feeling you have between each other after you lose in a country quota in freaking Russia. And uh, came texting me after that story. He's like, bro, like that was awesome. Like, it's so cool to like hear someone else like say the side of the sport. Um, so yeah, so the writing is kind of how I express myself um, in that sense. You know, I don't really need uh, to put it out on the podcast all the time, um, especially because I do write like all the time. And so it's, that's my outlet. Oh. Uh, it's it's good to be real. Is, is there a way where like all of these articles are in the same place, or do, does one have to like scatter, scan your Instagram and find some links here and there? Or uh, for the most part, they're all at volleyballmag.com. So if you just like okay. click on my name, uh, they'll all you can find anything you want. Okay, cool, cool. Because I've read some of them, but probably not all of them. But yeah. yeah, they feel they feel very genuine. <laughs> it's, <laughs> That's it, what I'm it, going it, for. It's it's nice to read something that was written by someone who knows how to write. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, let's see how much uh, I have. A few more questions here. Uh, I have. Uh, couple more minutes and then I have a, a hot yoga appointment that oh. I got to be getting to. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Then I'll, I'll, I'll stay short. Um, is there, this is a, I stole this one from you guys. Is there anything that I should have asked for that you wish we would have talked about? Oh, good question. Uh, no, I mean, I think that, that you did a great job uh just like i love that your questions were very real they're just like when you investigate your own curiosities it creates a much better conversational environment rather than like asking the questions you think you should ask so I, you did a great job you're like genuinely curious and you're like you ask good questions and i had a great time chatting with you that's that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome yeah yeah obviously i'm just here like yeah, <laughs> getting to pick people's brains. Yeah, <laughs> so, podcast is the greatest job in the world. <laughs> exactly. So that's what that's what I'll do. Um, so I also wanted to mention your books. Uh, I've read the what is it called? The milkshakes one. Uh, Volleyball that, milkshakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great one. I love that. Uh, <laughs> I don't so know if I'm. 
I don't know if I put it in my recommended books yet, but but I will <laughs> if yeah. I haven't yet. I'll check it up after this. But what about the We Were Kings book? That one I haven't read. I just uh, downloaded the sample and, and read that, so I read a yeah. few pages of it. Did you enjoy but, that one? So We Were Kings, I wrote in 2018. Uh, it just details, uh, it features as many, probably about 100 beach volleyball players and just like their journeys in, into beach volleyball. Um, and it's funny, like, because, you know, at the time, you know, I did Sarah Hughes and Kelly Clays and they were playing together and they were just college kids. Um, so it's funny to look back on it. But uh, if you're a beach volleyball fan, I, I do think that you would enjoy We Were Kings. And I think that is some of the best writing uh, I've done. Um, and that that book is actually how me and Try met because Try was the first interview I did for that book. Uh, and mm -hmm. he was dark for like an hour and a half. And I was like, damn, like, that was like one of the best players in the world. And he just like chatted with me for that long. So that book was fun. Um, yeah, so We Were Kings and uh, Volleyball for Milkshakes are the, the two books I have on beach volleyball. That's awesome. So it, it, We Were Kings, is it kind of like a history book? Like you just read about people's stories and then you learn from that in a sense? You know, the, way you learn... I structured, <laughs> the way I structured it was each chapter is a different stop on the AVP tour. Um, yeah. And so it, and each features a different subset of players. Um, and so like in Manhattan, you know, it's kind of a, a feature on like the legends of Manhattan, uh, and how big that tournament is. So that's more on the pro side. Uh, there's, I think, uh, New York features all the Hawaiians. Cause that was, I think Madison McKibben and Riley McKibben's first main draw. Um, mm -hmm. so I talk about them and Taylor and Trevor, uh, and try, um, you know, the last one I talk about how difficult it is to be a professional beach volleyball player living outside of California. Um, and so I feature a lot of the guys who are trying to do it out of state. Um, yeah. So it, it's it's just to walk through the AVP season uh, using that as the the structure to tell other people's stories. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a that's a cool concept. I'll have yeah. to I'll take the time and read that one too. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate. That. I love the the milkshakes one. It was like just um, I love uh, it. You. Not education, but uh, when it's like entertainment and education. What do you call it? Edutainment. Yeah, it was <laughs> fun. Like, that was so fun. I loved it. It's I, like I wrote something that's nice I and wrote to read. And... Almost that entire book at uh, the Moscow airport. I was stuck there for 24 hours, and so I just like drank a ton of coffee in a lounge and just like cranked it out. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's cool. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, if you could choose, who would you want me to interview on the Learn Beach Volleyball Fast podcast? Who would you want to listen to on this podcast? Um, I mean, April. April's so cool and just amazing. Um, if if you can pick her brain. Yeah, I mean, April Ross, that's a living legend right there. And just like one of the coolest people in sport. Um, can't say enough good things about April Ross. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Cool. And since you know Troy way better than I do, how do I lure him onto being a guest here on my podcast? <laughs> uh, his contact, he's responsive on Instagram. So hit him up. <laughs> on Instagram? <laughs> Awesome. <laughs>
<laughs> cool. Uh, what if someone listened to this and they want to contact you for some reason, whether they want you to be their coach or or uh, wants to listen to Sandcast or anything? Yeah. How would you this way, uh, Instagram is at Tramu, T-R-A-M-M-E-W. Um, that's the easiest way to get in touch. And uh, yeah, if you want to follow on Sandcast, we're, we're out there. Episodes every Wednesday and mm -hmm. uh, we're doing our thing. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People should li definitely listen to it. And I'll put the, put the links to these episodes that we talked about in, in this episode in the show notes of this episode. Cool. Enjoy your hot yoga. Have you done that a lot? I appreciate it. I love hot yoga. So I'm going to go open up those hips. Thank you so much for the time. Glad we can make it work, bud. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Have a good day. Have a great rest of the day. You too. Bye. Okay, awesome. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed making it. I also hope that you know that the Learn Beach Volleyball Fast project is not only a podcast, but also a YouTube channel with beach volleyball tutorials, as well as a Facebook group with like-minded people that also want to accelerate their beach volleyball careers. The YouTube channel is... I make the tutorials kind of in-depth, very analytical... I explain a lot why I teach what I teach, etc. Not only like, oh, this is how you do it, but actually like, this is how you can do it because of this, or some people might want to do it this way because of this, etc. So you really get a sort of a more fuller understanding of the skills and what would be the best way for you to proceed, what techniques you should choose, what strategies you should use, etc., etc. When I started playing, I was looking for this sort of content and it didn't exist and I was sort of frustrated so I had to start figuring stuff out on my own and uh, then I started making these videos to help other people and there has been a lot of people that have really enjoyed them. So if you haven't yet checked them out, they might help you too. Also, the Learn Beach Full Fast project will also be online courses which will be even more in-depth and uh, also coaching. So go check out the YouTube channel, subscribe to it, join the Facebook group, join the email list also. That's good in case shit crashes. And um, if there's any feedback for this episode that you would want to give me, I guess the easiest way is to use the YouTube comment section for this episode or in the Facebook group, or you can even email me at alex at learnbeatswallfast.com. I think that was it for this time. See you again soon in another episode or another video or whatever. I hope you get to practice some beach volleyball until then and maybe learn some new skills. Have fun.